just sort of a, a really quick recap. God found Gideon. He uh, was a nobody and he was hiding and God came to him and said, mighty hero, I have something incredible plan for you. And then he said, before you get there, you kind of need to clean house. And last week was about cleaning house, setting things in order. Um, how many remember my epic dysfunctional shed? It's funny, I've had a couple of people ask me how, how it's going with my shed. And then my parents came over yesterday afternoon. My first thing that they did when they got in the backyard, okay, show us the shed. <laughs> um, but it was a great picture of how when we don't have the foundation of our lives aligned the way that God has designed it and allowing him to be our shepherd, then, then nothing goes correctly. And so God's trying to lead us as our shepherd to um, those, those places of health in our lives. And so this week, um, we're gonna dive into week three and go ahead and throw it up on the screen. Uh, Gideon chapter seven, verse four through seven. We're gonna start reading. But the Lord told Gideon, there are still too many. Bring them down to the spring and I will test them to determine who will go with you and who will not? When Gideon took his warriors down to the water, the Lord told him, divide the men into two groups. In one group, put all those who, cu who cup the water with their hands and lap it up with their tongues like dogs. In the other group, put all those who kneel down and drink with their mouths in the stream. Very interesting. Father God, I thank you for today. I thank you for what you want to speak to us and the way that you're moving. God, this is not a performance today. Uh, it's not a religion. We're not checking a box. Jesus, we genuinely believe that when we take moments like these as a community and say, Jesus, we want you to be our shepherd. Will you speak to us? Would you lead us? Lord, that our lives are forever different. And you have the ability not only to instruct us in our lives, but also to bring breakthrough in places where maybe we've been trying and we've been stuck. And God, you, spoke a, you speak a word and all of a sudden there's something that opens up in our hearts. And so that's what we're asking for today, that you'd open up our, our eyes to see in a new way. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is a, a classic um, Gideon story that we're going to get into in a minute. But before we do, I kind of want to highlight where I want to go today. And in doing so, um, the, the simple title of my message is Create Courageous Community. And, you know, the, the reality is our, um, our world, our society is facing an epic pandemic that no one is really talking about. And it's the pandemic of isolation. I experienced isolation in the last two weeks. How many of you know you can be surrounded by people um, and connected to a lot of people, but still be isolated? And some of the people that you would never think are feeling isolated are isolated. And, uh, and you know, it's a funny story, but it's true in my life. And I'm going to be truly, like, really vulnerable with you. So um, I had something happen to me when I was in Israel with my teeth. So this was a couple weeks ago. So rewinding the tape, when I was in my 20s, I was playing basketball and I got elbowed in the, the tooth, my front tooth, and I thought I was going to lose it. I got hit that hard. I didn't lose it and I thought it was fine. Well, lo and behold, what ended up happening is the tooth died. And um, apparently there's a lot of different versions of, of what can happen, but mine, it died, but it looks the same. The problem is when a tooth dies, it loses some of its consistency and so it chips easy. So when I was in Israel, uh, my, chipped, chip, my tooth chipped a little bit. 
I didn't tell anybody because it's embarrassing because it's one of my front teeth. And I stand up in front of people for a living. It's awkward. So anyway, um, and you know how like when you notice something in, in your, you know, about your complexion, a lot of times no one else can see it unless you point it out to them. And then you're like, oh, well, now you say it. Now I'm going to stare at it, you know. And so it was one of those where like I, I wasn't saying anything. I actually took a video to send home in Israel. And it was so obvious on the video that I'm like, I'm not even going to send this video. So I went to the dentist and they're like, oh, we can, we can repair this, but we need to, to, to repla- replace both your front teeth um, with crowns. Apparently it's kind of a common thing and it's the only way to replace the tooth because it's dead and it's going to just continue to get worse. So needless to say, two, two weeks ago, I got my crowns in, my, my two front teeth. You guys are all staring at my teeth now. Um, <laughs> where is this going? Um, so I got my two front teeth installed in, and if you know anything about dental work, crowns, they, they start out with a temporary. So I got my temporaries in and I'm just hoping and praying that it works out because it was like Wednesday before the grand opening. I literally told the dentist, I'm like, I'm going to be in front of people in three days. Please don't screw this up. So they put them in and, you know, apparently my teeth, my front teeth are a little bit on the whiter scale. I don't know why that is. I don't do anything. I don't bleach my teeth or anything, but they're a little bit on the whiter scale than what's normal. And so they're standard teeth they give you for a temporary are a little bit more on the yellow scale. So they give them to me and I look at them and I'm like, these are a little yellow. And so they're like, okay, well, there's a couple of things here. One, your other teeth are a little bit whiter than we're normally used to. And secondly, when we were installing them, your gums were bleeding a little bit and it stained them. So I'm looking at it like, okay, but they're like, it's fine. You know, we'll be back in two weeks and we'll get the new ones. So I'm like super self-conscious, right? And, 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 and so because of that, I, I start to back away a little bit. And in fact, Charlie and Lisa, I was going to come to your guys' group that night, but I was so self-conscious that I actually opted out of life group because I'm like, I'm not going with two you know, yellow front teeth, right? Like I was just so... And I was isolated because I didn't tell anybody except for my wife. And my son, who's like, Dad, your front teeth are yellow. Thanks, son. Appreciate that. So the story goes, it starts to get a little bit worse. And I feel like they're starting to get like yellower. And I can't explain it. So the last, like the last two Sundays before service, I literally, guys, you guys are never going to look at me the same anymore. Uh, but I'm just going to say it. I brought a toothpaste and a toothbrush to service and brushed my teeth before I got up here the last two weeks. Because I'm like, we got to get these. This is embarrassing. So I call the lady and I'm like, because it, it, the skit was scheduled for like three weeks from now. And I said, we, we need to get this done because they're really yellow. So they got me in this last week and um, they take one look at my mouth and they're like, wow, like those are a lot more yellow than we remembered installing. And I'm like, I've been telling you, like I've been calling, right? No, it's normal. It's normal. Can you, I, we need to do something. So they look at me and they're like, yeah, it's, it's definitely more yellow than we remembered. And I'm really glad that you, you know, made this an emergency because those really are yellow. And so they go, are you a coffee drinker? And I'm like, two cups a day. And they're like, well, remember we told you, you, 
you can't drink coffee because these, what we put in, they actually stain. The temporary stain. And so they've been getting yellower every day with your coffee. And so I'm like, seriously, you, know, you didn't tell me that. No, we told you that. Thank you very much. So like, let's get these out immediately and we'll give you some new. So I have two new te- teeth that are my permanents that are, I hope, not going to be a distraction for you today, but at least they're not yellow. So I say that to say, because I, I feel like the Lord really spoke to me in the middle of it, because I'm not a typically an isolated guy. I love relationships. I'm typically not backing away. But the last two weeks, I can tell you, and I don't know if you noticed it. Um, you probably noticed my teeth, but I don't know if you noticed my, my behavior. That was just like a little standoffish. When you were t- I was taking pictures, I wasn't smiling, like with my teeth. I, I was just, I was very aware of the, of the inconsistencies in my life and the way that maybe people would perceive me. And that's a very physical illustration of something that I think is happening on the inside of most of us. Like, let's be honest with ourselves that most of us, that we have something about our lives and it's probably not something you would physically see, but you're aware of it and you're pretty sure other people are aware. And if people really knew what's going on. And so it causes us to kind of do this little bit of a dance instead of giving ourselves fully in relationships. We are all there. And what I love about this story is it really showcases the reality that there's not only an, a, an epic a, epidemic with isolation, but the reality is God wants to bring you some incredible people in your life. And I, I put this up. It is the goal of the enemy to get you living isolated, but the calling on your life is too great to go it alone. And this story of Gideon, it really is the staple of Listen, um, I'm going to whittle you down from 32,000 people down to 300 because there's some people you don't need in your life, but you need a strong group of people to go forward and fight the battle that you're called to fight. And I believe that that's what's happening at Heart Church. I believe that's what's happening in your lives. But I want to encourage you today that there's, there's a step that I think that may, maybe some of us aren't, aren't aware of and how it all works and ultimately where God wants to take you in this whole journey. I wrote this, God wants to surround you with the right, the right kind of people. There's a huge difference between being surrounded and being supported. I know people, they just don't know me. It's never been easier to connect with people, yet never more challenging to know people and be known. I mean, social media, I mean, like people are, we're, we're raising a generation that, that have all the tools to be very connected. And yet, and yet, um, depression, oppression, mental illness are at an all-time high, suicides, all-time high, and yet people have all the tools to be so connected, and yet we're so disconnected. And so I believe God wants to speak to us in this, but I want to introduce you to another story um, about another guy that's a hero. And so we're not going to actually unpack much more of Gideon's story. I actually want to talk to you about David, because because David was a hero of all heroes. And this is in one, this one area in David's life, he slayed it. He developed amazing relationships 
incredible. And I want to show you a small little picture of that as, as he gives us a roadmap to courageous community. And it's in 1 Samuel chapter 22, verse 1 and 2. And it just simply says this. So David got away and escaped to the cave. This is when he was running from Saul, running from his life. He spent 15 years in the desert, hiding in a cave, trying to just survive. And it says this. And all who were down on their luck came around. Losers, vagrants, and misfits of all sorts. David became their leader, and there was about 400 in all. And the, the, the big idea is, here is, you need a community to invest in. You need a community to invest in. This is the most counterintuitive aspect to courageous community. So like, let's just look at David. David's hiding He's in need. He was called to be a king. He's not a king yet. He's running for his life. He needs support. And God sends him the most ragamuffin crew you would ever imagine. And can I tell you, we're not so different. I mean, most of us came to Heart Church and we're like limping, right? We got like a black eye. We're like, hey guys, you know? And it's like, we're, we're all kind of a mess. So listen, if you're kind of a mess, I just want you to know that welcome to the party. Truly. I mean, this is the coolest group of people because we all are in the same boat. We all have gaps. We're all at a different place in our journey. Most of us came to this place kind of wounded, kind of broken, kind of hurt from the past leader or the past church or what, you know, and we kind of rolled in here and we're just on this journey together. And this is where David was and he's needing support. He's needing support. And God brings him this, this, this crew. And I would imagine that he's kind of going like, God, I, I really had a specific kind of group of people that I needed. And th these are not them. I would not have selected this group. And yet that's who God, that's who God brought. The challenge is most people have a narrow view of what community really is and therefore they miss the power. I talk to people all the time that say they really struggle to find friends and find community and find those core people in their lives and, and even people that, that come to church. And not, not, I mean, I'm kind of preaching to the choir here because you guys, you guys, for the most part, are diving in. But there's a lot of people out there that really struggle to find community. And, and, and what they say often is that, that People don't pursue me and, and people don't know me and, and, and pe people don't love me and, and have connected with me and drawn me, drawn me out. And um, so I, I just want to make this revolutionary statement as it relates to community. Because the, the point was, you need community to invest in. David said, I need people to come and support me. And God says, I'm going to send you a community to invest in. So, so this is the idea. Community begins with what you give and not what you receive. Yeah, I know that's not what you want to hear. Community begins, this is the sweet spot, with what you give and what you invest and not what you receive. Can I tell you that you were created to give yourself to community? That's what, that, that's what you were created. And I'm not talking about giving your talents and giving your time and your money. And I'm not talking about any about that. I'm talking about your heart. What's the name of our church? 
What is it? Come on, if we're gonna if we're gonna default anywhere, it's always gonna be there. We were created to lean in at a heart level into relationships. Bottom line. This is who you were created to be. And that's in your relationship with your kids, that's your relationship with your spouse, that's in your relationship with your family, but it's in your relationship here in your community. We were designed and created for that. And I want to read um, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 because this is Paul the Apostle. Before you put it up there, Paul the Apostle, he traveled everywhere. He was the, wrote most of the New Testament. He was an incredible speaker, like the most popular guy in the Christian world, right? Like obviously there was a lot of people that wanted to kill him, but in the Christian world, he was the hero. And, and he traveled around, planted churches and spoke everywhere. He was an amazing guy. And if anyone had an excuse to have sort of surface level relationships, it would be Paul because he was never at any one place for longer than two years. That was Ephesus. Everywhere else was less than two years. So you're talking about six months here, one year there, six months over here, bouncing around. They didn't have text. They didn't have Facebook. You can't keep up with people. So if anyone had an excuse to just like, well, I'm just a short timer. I'm going to just connect with some people. I'm going to raise some people up and then I'm going to leave. I'm certainly not going to give you my heart. And yet Paul, man, he, he was all heart. He led with his heart. And it shows it in this scripture. First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8 says this. So we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel, but our lives as well. I love that. This is the most difficult thing to do, beyond a shadow of a doubt. Most difficult. And maybe you have one or two people that you've sort of allowed your heart to get connected with. Maybe those people are family. Maybe it's somebody you've known for a very long time that feels safe. But I'm telling you, there is, a, there is a gigantic gift out there waiting for you. And the doorway is your heart in relationships. Why is it the hardest thing? So the enemy has convinced us to live guarded, fearful, and stingy with our heart, robbing us of community. I wrote this, fear and shame are the two great enemies of authentic community and they fuel isolation. So fear says this. Go ahead and throw fear up there. What if they hurt you? They don't really care about you. They didn't even text you. A bunch of them got together. You didn't even get invited. You haven't been in a while. No one's reached out. I don't care about you. See, it's happening again. Put your guard up. Fear says, I don't want to get hurt. Why, why would I give my heart when they can just trample on it? No, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. Shame whispers this. You're not worthy of love and connection. They don't love you. They don't even know you. You haven't. You haven't showed them who you really are. If you did, they wouldn't love you. See, see, shame has to do with who you are. Shame is different than regret. Regret is that I'm, I'm sorry for what I did. Shame is I'm sorry for who I am. And so shame says, if you let them in, they're just gonna reject you. So, so just remember, remember my teeth? Like I was, 
I was so fearful of rejection that I backed away and I created barriers between me and people without even knowing it. Just, just, just that quick, that quick. How the enemy whispers to all of us, no, you can't, you can't lean. Listen, I, I am just telling you that we were created to have heart connections, like all in with our heart. That's who we are. That's how we were created. And I wrote this, who told you this garbage? Who told you this stuff? It wasn't your shepherd. Who told you to be guarded? Who, who told you that to be afraid of rejection? Who told you that you're so fragile, you gotta be careful? Who told you that the goal is not being hurt in life? We hate pain, don't we? We run from pain, especially us guys. Us guys are such wimps. And all the women in the room said, yep, they are. Ladies, when your husband gets sick, it's a bummer, isn't it? Because we are whiners. Why? Because we hate pain. Let, let, let me ask you a question. Who told us that the goal in relationships is to not get hurt? Because I thought the goal was to lay our lives down and to be used by God in a powerful way. I thought that God has made me strong on the inside so that I'll be okay. I'm gonna put my heart out there. I'm gonna say, listen, this is all me. Listen, I don't have the time to connect with everybody and be everybody's friends. But I'll tell you, with the time that I do have, I wanna be all in. I wanna be all in. Who's with me? Who's with me? Come on, we have to recognize the voices in our head that are either, you're either one or the other, right? You, you either lean one towards fear or towards shame. I'm not worthy or now they'll just hurt me. But wherever you lean, you have to be honest with yourself about those voices in your head and you just say, listen, like I have bought the wrong narrative. Remember we talked week one about a new narrative for your life. And there's a new narrative as it relates to relationships. Listen, you're not fickle. We, we live our lives like if like somebody blows us the wrong way, we're just gonna fall over. Who told you that? You're powerful on the inside. God has a destiny on your life. He's your protector. And so we can live lives that are vulnerable and exposed and wholehearted. Why? Because he's our shepherd and he's leading us. It doesn't mean no one will ever hurt us. And it doesn't mean that we just need to let people in and hurt us. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying we need to trust people. We need to like give, give our hearts away. And listen, if people are hurting us, well then they don't, you don't get to be, do that anymore. But that, that doesn't mean that, if, okay, now, now that I've been hurt, now I know better. So now my next relationship, right, I know to be a little bit more guarded. Like, do you remember the first time you got your heart broke in a relationship, in a, in a dating relationship, right? You remember how naive you were, right? You're like, uh, you know, just going, go, going overboard and sharing all of your, you know, love, you know, heartbeat with this girl or this boy. And then when the first time you got hurt, you're like, all right, check, learn that lesson. Not going to be that forward, Right? Can I play my cards a little closer to my vest, right? That hurt really bad. Don't want to feel that again. And, and again, that's, this is what we've learned. This is what we've learned in life. 
This is what we've learned by culture. This is what we've learned from the enemy is this narrative is that, listen, you know what it feels like to be hurt. So you better guard yourself. There's another way. There's another way. God created me to lead with my heart into courageous community. So before I go to my last point, I just want to highlight the fact that when God puts us in a community like this, our first, our first duty, our first response is, I'm going to invest. I'm going to invest my heart. I'm going to give my heart to this community. This is what God's asking of us. And many of you, many of you are doing this. But maybe God's saying, there's still, there's still areas where you're, where you're tapping into that old narrative. And I'm just telling you, God is saying to you, it's okay. It's okay. Quit looking for the perfect environment. It doesn't exist. Quit, for, quit, quit looking at all the ways that you may get hurt or all the reasons why. Nah, it's just, it's just easier to kind of sit on the bench on this one and just sort of like observe. It's just easier. And I'm telling you, the enemy is robbing you of the greatest, um, the greatest blessing in your life. And that is the people around you. My youth pastor told me when I was in youth group, in 10 years from now, the most precious thing in your life if you invest in them, would, will be the, per, the people that are in your life now. The people in your life right now, in 10 years, will be the most precious, most valuable thing you have. Not the money, not the accomplishments, not the whatever else that you're pursuing, the people in your life. Think about the people in your life. If you invest in them, 10 years from now, most valuable thing you have. How does that change our lives a little bit? Most precious, valuable thing you have 10 years from now is already in your life. So what are you gonna do with it? But see, this is the misnomer. It's not just your immediate family. That's not how the body of Christ works. Just like God sent Gideon 300 and God sent David 400, he's sending you a community to invest in because there's gold in there. And he wants to give it to you. My last point is this. You need an inner circle to lift you up. I love how this story ends. And this is David. And the byproduct of his community, the misfits that he invests in, go ahead and throw it up there. It says this. Then three, remember God sent him 400 Three of the 30 men went down at harvest time and came to David at the cave. And David said with longing, oh, that someone would give me a drink, water from the well. Next verse. So the three mighty, three mighty men broke through the camp of the Philistines, drew the water from the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate and brought it to David. These were done by the three mighty men. Can I tell you that David had the most incredible inner circle that lifted his arms up. I promise you that I think that that's probably one of the reasons David didn't fall to isolation and was able to become king. 
that he actually had these guys. It's a thing. It's like a term in the Bible, David's mighty men. In fact, like a lot of men's ministries, and Philip and I have talked about it a lot, are called mighty men for that reason, because of David's mighty men. And it t- talks about their exploits. Like one of them killed a lion in a cave on a snowy day, and it's like, has no rhyme or reason for anything in the Bible other than that he did it, so he put, they put it in the Bible, because it was so epic. Another guy, like, killed like 700 guys by himself with a spear. I mean, just incredible stuff. These three mighty men. This is what God formed in David to lift up his arms. And it's a dream of mine, not just for men, but for ladies, that every person in this church would develop an inner circle to lift you up. The problem is we come into a community and we say, and we're looking, we go, I need that. I need an inner circle. And then we forget that there's a step before that. And the step before that is, I got to learn, first of all, to lead with my heart in relationships. I got to be all in. And secondly, I got to invest because, because the, 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 the inner circle is a byproduct of me investing in a community with my whole heart. Somebody tell, tell your neighbor, I'm not holding back. I'm not holding back. I put that, your inner circle is the byproduct of the community you invest in. And end with this thought and then we're gonna do a video. The truth is most everybody finds an inner circle. And you can find it at a lot of places. You can find it at casino. You can find it at the Padre game. You can find it at the pub. I mean, listen, have you ever been to a pub? Phenomenal community. Right? Like brothers, sisters, like arm. I mean, I'm not saying that because I go to the pub a lot, but I'm just saying, you know, I've watched, I've watched movies. And, and I'm not saying that, that there isn't some, some value to other arenas where you find your inner circle. But I can tell you that most people, unless you're truly, truly isolated, most people have an inner circle of some kind. But let me ask you a simple question. Is that inner circle championing the call of God in your life? Is your inner circle, are they making sure with all of their might that you don't settle for less in your life? Are they coming alongside you? Are they speaking into your life? When you're facing something, when you're facing isolation, when you're discouraged and you're running to something, because we all run to something. When you're running to something, are they there to make sure you're running to the right thing? When you fall down, are they there going, come on, you're not staying down. And I know how you're gonna get healed. And I know what that truly looks like. So I'm gonna point you in the right direction. This is the inner circle that God has called us to and we have to have it. But this stuff, it doesn't happen on accident. It happens because we say, God, I'm not going to give in to the narrative of the world. I'm going to go all in with my heart. I'm not going to live, so I'm not going to live with the goal of not being hurt or not being wounded. I'm going to live with the goal of living courageous, living wholehearted and giving my life away. And as I do that, and as I invest in the community, I know that what's going to come from it 
is this inner circle, what we call a wolf pack. And these people, these people you'd get in a trench with and you'd link arms with. And they're pointing you to Jesus, pointing you to the call, pointing you to the, to the, to the true shepherd in your life. And this is what we're called to and this is what's available to you. And so once again, as a, as a journey of a hero, the shepherd is, he's saying, listen, this is, this is what I have for you. So don't discount yourself. Don't say, ah, oh, that's for, you know, awesome people and I'm not awesome. Like who would want me in their inner circle? I know some of you are thinking that, like who would want me in their inner circle? What strength can I possibly bring somebody's life? That's garbage. And that's not your shepherd. That's not your shepherd talking. You are, have immense value and worthy of love and connection. Every single one of you. And so come on, let's, let's live the life that God has called us to live. Uh, will you do and dim the lights? And I want to encourage you to watch this because this is such a powerful demonstration of what it looks like to have a powerful inner circle.
so cool. I just want you to know no, no animals were harmed in the filming of this video. You know, it's, um, it's not the mark of a hero to not, to not have moments where you're isolated and where you feel alone and where you are going through something or facing something. Now, that's not the mark of a hero. The mark of a hero is who, who do you have standing around you and behind you? in those moments. And, and I love the picture of that bear because it's like, okay, you know, we could take that a lot of ways. Obviously, it could, it's a case for like, that's Jesus, you know, like, you know, roaring for us, of course. But, but on a practical note, who are the guys, who are the gals that are standing with you in that moment? And they're telling the devil where to go. They're, they're, they're casting out whatever it is, whatever darkness or whatever things that are navigating, they're there. And then at the end, you know, you make out. It's, that's what we do in our wolf pack. It's awkward, but it's amazing. I was just kidding. That was, that was a really funny part though. But I just feel like the Lord is inviting you to experience those kinds of relationships. And some of you maybe have never had those kinds of relationships in church. Like maybe, maybe with your extended family or maybe on a sports team or in other places, but church has just always kind of been like, I don't know, people are two-faced, it's sterile, it's too religious, that people wouldn't understand me, I'm not Christian enough, right? Like all of these things. And can I just tell you, like, that's just garbage. It's garbage. Because I'm not any of those things and my best friends are in the room. Like, People I would go to war with and would go to war with me. And so um, I'd like to get by your heads and close your eyes as we close this morning. I just want to speak over you. For those of you in the room that, that don't have what I'm talking about yet. We're still missing those components of true community and those people that are standing next to you and that springing that strength to your lives, or maybe you have a community like that, but they're not pointing you in the right direction and you still have those voices in your head whispering. And I just want to, I want to ask the Lord to silence those voices of fear, of doubt, of shame, of insecurity. And I just want to speak life over you. I want to declare over you that God has incredible community for you right here. And so Jesus, I thank you that you've gone before us, that you've paved the way for us in this. And so Jesus, I ask that you would help us to be create, courageous with our hearts. I pray that we would, we would be okay to, to stay longer, maybe in a community, a small group, that we'd be okay coming a little early and Lord, we'd be able to fight through maybe some of those awkward moments and Lord, we don't know what to say and we don't know if people are gonna like us and Jesus, I just pray you'd make us courageous. God, and the byproduct would be rich, deep, lifelong friendships that you have for us. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you.